0: It's Thursday at 7 o'clock. You know what time it is. Time's for Hawks Live every Thursday right here on 17 ESPN Seattle. I'm usually sitting here with Paul Moyer. Paul is in the desert somewhere playing golf or something. But I got my guy, Nassar Choby. If you don't know who he is, he produces everything. The Seahawks doing on the radio pretty much. Um, during the week, we do two podcasts together. Nassar Choby, what's good, man? What's going on, Bump, man? It feels good to be on this side of the glass. This is weird, man. My guy's producing. And co-hosting. He's multitasking right now. Something us dads do. That's what we do. But we got to talk about the Seahawks in this football game. The Seahawks beat the Texans 33-13 last week. They were 7-13 for on third downs. That's a win. Time of possession. They held the ball 26 minutes to 33. The Texans might not sound good, but that's a win right there. This defense held the Texans' offense to zero points in the second half. That's a win. But the biggest story come out of this whole thing was Rashad Penny. This guy had a day. He rushed four, 137 yards on 16 carries and two touchdowns. The Hawks get a win, back-to-back wins, first time this season, first time since week 17, 16-17 and 17 in the 2020 season. Now this offense looks like they're turning a corner.
1: I love it what you saw of that. I mean, honestly, seeing Rashad Penny do what he did on Sunday, I've seen him since he was drafted in 2018. He's had to deal with so many injuries and so many unfortunate things for a guy at that position. To see him go out there, like you said, 16 carries, 137 yards, two touchdowns, career highs in all three categories, and just everything he's been through, it felt so good to see that guy shine, man. And he had that confidence, too. Yeah. Like, when he was. we saw that first carry, boom, 8 to 10 yards. Then again, boom. And then on the touchdown, big boy, stiff arm, throws the guy to the ground. So Rashad Penny is balling out. And I feel good for him because he's just taking so much heat in this market and. The Seahawks drafted him for a reason. We've always seen how good this guy can be at football when he's healthy. Back-to-back games, he's been healthy. So he looks like he's going to be the Seahawks starting running
0: back going forward. So you love to see it, Bob. You're going to see 2-0 out there in the backfield, and he deserves it, man. I think this is his audition. It's like, okay, look, this is my contract year. I know decisions need to be made. I haven't been what you expected me to be over the years. But now his time to show the ball club. Like, look, I can get it done. I can stay healthy. And I think he's going to have a chance against these Rams to kind of show what he can do. Now, he has to back up this performance. We can't expect him to go 16 carries, 137 yards, and two touchdowns again. All right, that would be nice. He had a long of 47. That would be nice, but you just want to see consistency in the run game, and I think it's going to start with him. What is a good backup performance for Rashad Penny
1: this weekend? Well, I think he's going to get the rock a lot. So, for me, I'm thinking around 12 to 17 carries, around 60-plus yards, and probably a touchdown. And here's the thing about when Rashad Penny actually gets active and gets the football. He has four career games with 10-plus carries, right? And here are the four games. 12 carries, 108 yards, touchdown. 14 carries, 129 yards, a touchdown. 15 carries, 74 yards, a touchdown. Then 16 carries, 137 yards, two touchdowns. That was against Houston. That's 57 attempts, 448 yards, five touchdowns, 7.8 yards, a carry bump. That's pretty dang good when he's getting the football and he's getting more carries. So for me, I'm not expecting. The Rams are good. But they're seventh in the NFL at stopping the run. They're giving up about 100 yards a game. So for me, nothing crazy. It's about being effective and picking and choosing your spots. And if the Seahawks can stay committed to the run and Rashad Penny is able to get those 10 to 15 carries around 60 to 70 yards and just be effective and help with that time possession, I think that's a good spot for him.
0: So what you're saying, he's like our uh, co-host compadre, Turbo. He's a rhythm guy. He needs at least 10 carries to get going. I understand that, and I think he's going to get that. Now let's shift over to the Los Angeles Rams. They got a lot of stuff going on over there, covid has shown up in Los Angeles in the Rams facility. But let's focus on what they did on Monday night against the Arizona Cardinals. They came out and had a day. Didn't allow Kyler Murray to throw not one touchdown. Kyler Murray had over 400 yards, his best performance when it comes to yards as a quarterback, but no touchdowns. And then offensively, Matthew Stafford had a day. He showed why they spent all those first rounds and all this money on this dude and had long passes to Van Jefferson, long passes to Cooper Cup. I mean, this Rams offense looks, when everyone's healthy, looks dangerous, and this defense looks dangerous as well when everyone is healthy. Oh, my goodness. First of all,
1: all you need to say is Aaron Donald. Yeah. That man is an absolute freak, and the game started with a sack, and it was a sack. And it was just so disrespectful, Bump. That first play, takes the guard, throws him essentially into Colin Murray. Kyle Murray goes down. Aaron Donald is unbelievably talented. His record numbers against the Seahawks are unreal. Then you got Greg Gaines, shout-out to Dub, who's balling. Leonard Floyd, who seems to have – 100 sacks every time he plays the Seahawks. So they're talented defensively. Jalen Ramsey, when he's in there, you mentioned the COVID stuff. Jalen Ramsey is still on the COVID list. So they got ballers on that side of the ball. And the Seahawks are not to have to come with it because they always play Seahawks tough. And it didn't matter. Whether it's 2014, 2017, now the Rams are good defensively and they showed it. And the Seahawks offensive line's got to come with it.
0: Aaron Donald, 16 games against the Hawks, 16 16- Tackles. Now, we look at this total offense. The Rams have the seventh-ranked total offense in the NFL. They have the 24th rushing attack, the third-ranked passing attack, and points per game. They score 28 points per game. That is tied for fourth. So we can expect this secondary to be tested. We all know about the woes the Hawks have had on defense. Against the pass, they are dead last. So if there's a day for them to step up against Odell Beckham, against Tyler Higby, Odell Beckham, if he's available. Right. Against... Tyler Higby, if he's available, and Cooper Cup. It's got to be this week. Pass game's going to be crucial. You'd hope so. I
1: mean, the thing about it, though, is while we're talking about this, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the Seahawks that also have some COVID issues right now. Tyler Lockett was yeah. put on the COVID reserve list as well as Alex Collins. We don't know what the status is going to be with those two heading into the weekend. Probably won't know until Saturday. That being said, though, offensively, if that's the case, D.K. Metcalf needs to be involved. He's had two good games against the Rams in his last two opportunities, whether he's going against Jalen Ramsey, whoever's in the secondary. Like you mentioned, the Rams have 25 people on the COVID reserve list right now, so it's not doing well. We'll see. We're going to take it up until Thursday. But offensively, again, Russell, DK needs to be involved. That connection needs to happen. I think we're going to see some of those one-on-one matchups, and I think they can take advantage of this Rams defense because even though last year they were number one in almost everything, right? So, this year, while we know they got talent, they're not exactly where we'd expect them
0: to be ranking wise, but we know they got dudes over there. And DK, the last two times they got together with the Rams, DK's had a day. Um, January 9, 2021, five receptions for 96 yards, two touchdowns. They lost in the playoffs of that game. Um, earlier this year, five receptions, 98 yards, two touchdowns on five targets. So, for some reason, DK gets up for this game, or the Hawks do a good job of game planning for him in this game. We're looking at that matchup if is available versus DK, um, if Lockett is available. This is the first game I think I've ever covered where I'm saying if is available. And we're not talking about injuries. We're talking about COVID and how this is affecting the NFL. And it's not just this team. It's across the league oh my right goodness. now. Yeah, the Rams have almost 25. The Browns are in the 20s, right? You have all these teams.
1: And the Seahawks, this is the first time. Gerald Everett missed a game earlier this year. But with these two on the active list, the Seahawks, all last year, the height of the pandemic, had no positive tests, right? So the Seahawks have done such a great job, but this is a problem throughout the league, and they've introduced some new protocols, which will help guys get back in the games earlier. But, man, this week's going to be tough, especially because the Browns also got 20-plus, and they're playing on Saturday. So, man, pay attention to the waiver wire, because Saturday, just pay attention, because I'm hoping guys are out there. We're going to have to wait and see.
0: All right, so real quick, we know that Rashad Penny emerging has been great for this offense, but there's a guy who's under center who's been improving every week since he's been back. I'm talking about no other than Russell Wilson. He had he was 17 for 28, 260 yards and two touchdowns. Not a big game, but an efficient game for him. The Hawks need that to continue for them to keep balling out. Yeah, bump real quick. What do you think? What have you seen from him? Why is he getting better the last couple of games? Uh, he's getting better. He's more confident. His mechanics are on point. I think they're giving him more options underneath, and I think he is Hello? throwing the deep ball better. The claim to fame for Russell Wilson, he throws the best deep ball in the game. Oh, okay. We've seen that I'm in the last like no. Tyler Lockett, even DK Metcalf. I that don't hear you. Do you hear me? 30, is that what you're 14, saying? 33 yards over the shoulder. Russell is getting back into I'm his game. I'm getting like, in, mentally, so it must be connected to something. Place. And this team's in a good place. And we're going to find out how good of a place they're in because mm. we're going to talk to guard Gabe Jackson next on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live. We're here every Thursday, 7 to 9 o'clock. And now we get to talk to guard Gabe Jackson for your Seahawks. Gabe, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. How you doing? Hey, we're doing good. We appreciate you taking time out of your day now. You know, we always look up the bios or whatnot. We've spoken before, and you're from Mississippi. I got family from Mississippi. But you were in Oakland for about six, seven years. Did you ever catch on to, like, just the Bay music, you know, did you get into that, Mac Dre and all that, or are you kind of just stuck to that, that Dirty South music? Uh,
2: I, I did a little both, man. I, I, I learned to appreciate uh, the Bay Area music. So um, I listen more often than I, than I used to.
0: I feel it. Now let's talk some football, man. Last week, Gabe Jackson went off, man. And uh, he praised the offensive line constantly throughout his postgame meetings what's it like for you being a starter on that offensive line seeing the number two number three guy come in and just have a day man
2: uh it's great you know it's it's great for anybody uh you know that's a part of our team to have great success but also for a guy that you know that was injured early on and just not really catching his break you know just to see him succeed and for him to finally have that breakthrough is very rewarding
1: now, Gabe, talk to me a little bit now. You guys obviously love running the football. You dominated the football game against the Texans. How much pride as an offensive line do you take in the run game? And if it was up to you, would you run the ball every play? Uh,
2: probably so. Probably so. <laughs> I can't say I wouldn't, but uh, it's, it's good to have balance as well, you know. Uh, but as an offensive lineman, you always take pride in that, you know, running the ball and being physical.
1: Now, a couple of weeks ago, Gabe, the Seahawks signed Adrian Peterson, and now for me growing up, you know, I watched a lot of Adrian Peterson football, and I'm sure you did the same as well. What was it like to block for him that one game against the 49ers, being a guy that you watched in high school? And how much of an impact did he have in that running back room as well as that offense? Uh,
2: it, it was crazy, man. Um, honestly, you got a guy that's, you know, one day going to have a, um, one of those jackets. And uh, it's motivating. And, um, you know, it's. it's it's great. You know, you got a guy like that, that you know, a hard runner. Uh, he got a lot of history behind him from the past, and he still can run it, you know. Uh, we was in walkthrough one day when he first got there, and he ran past, and I was like, dang, I I, I kind of felt the wind from, <laughs> from him running through that gap like that. So uh, he still got some juice on him.
0: Hey, Gabe, what's it like in the huddle after a big run? One of the things I miss most about playing – it's just the interactions with your boys. After you just dominate a defensive line or a secondary, you get back in the huddle, and you know you guys are feeling yourselves, man. When this offense is going, when the run game is going, what's the energy like in that huddle?
2: Uh, it's crazy because when, when when that's going on, you know that everybody in that huddle, everybody in that game, you you feel it. It's like you are almost in uh, control of the game. So when you when you're like that, you can you can do play action. You can throw the ball and it, it doesn't matter. You know, you know you're in full control because you're dominating.
1: Now, Gabe, some of the young guys have gotten an opportunity to play. Jake Curhan got a start at right tackle. He might play a little bit more this week. So, for a veteran guy like yourself and Dwayne Brown on that offensive line, what would you see from him and, and what are kind of the tips that you help some of these younger guys when they get their first time in the game like that?
2: Uh, For one, I mean, uh, I, I told Jake, you know, he first got there after a couple of weeks. Um... He was in shorts, and I was like, "Okay, he looked like he might be good." and put pants on. Him. I'm like, "Okay, he might be good." Then I saw him in preseason. I'm like, "Okay, yeah, he is, he a boss." Uh, but from just me knowing him for this short period of time, he has great confidence in himself. You know, he, he's a hard worker. Um, he listens. He listens to coaching. He listens in the coaching point that uh, a player might give him. But uh, for me, it was to him just like, just be who you are. You here for a reason. It wasn't no mistake that you. Here to be a you know uh, a Seahawk and just take full advantage and have fun because you know this game is here but it'll be forever but won't be forever for us so just take full advantage of it and have fun and just live
0: life. Gabe, as an analyst, man, we dive into the numbers. Like we got six days to talk about this matchup and think about this matchup and kind of see where okay the Rams are good at this, the Hawks are good at that. Do you guys get into the numbers, or do you kind of just look at the film and say, all right? this is the situation, I got to beat my guy on this play?
2: Um, I mean, it, it's not always numbers within the game, but um, you also got to know, you know, what you see on film. You know, sometimes the numbers can uh, be a little off based off of what time of the game it was. Uh, it's a blowout or this and that, but um, you got to you gotta watch them. You got to watch and see what they're good at. Um, you know, what we good at was was their liability and take advantage of it.
1: Now, while we're talking about numbers, Gabe, let's talk about number three, Russell Wilson, who's obviously playing some really good football as of late. He had the finger injury, broke his finger. You guys were without him for a while. What kind of lift did he bring back to this offensive unit, and how have you guys been able to get into a rhythm while Russell Wilson under center?
2: Uh, he uh, To me, uh, he's, he's a great leader, uh, a great guy just to talk to. Him, but um, he definitely – his leadership, his presence felt, you know, he – I don't know if it's intentional or his end, but he's always come to constantly reminding hands and feet, uh, do this and do this and do this. Like throughout the huddle, like he's always giving us something. And if he's not saying nothing, you can feel it through his play, through his eye contact, his his uh, just his confidence. You know, his aura. So um, it's always a boost. You got a guy that's going to you know going to give you everything he's
0: got. Gabe, you guys are playing some good football right now. The offense is clicking. Run game is going. Tyler Lockett made some plays last week. This defense shut out the Texans in the second half. Needless to say, this is a confident football team right now.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I I, I want to say that we haven't been confident in the past, but I feel like everything is falling into order. You know, some things going our way. Um, and, I mean, defense, those guys are lights out. They're making plays, and, we, we, we played a uh, good couple of, men of football last week. And the week we before that, we was doing the same thing. So we just got to keep building off of it and um, just keep chomping away.
1: Now, Gabe, you talked about that. What What's really changed? You said you guys were playing some good football as of late, a little bit more confidence as of late. How did you guys keep going when things – the season wasn't going your way, right? The Seahawks were 3-8 and eight at one point, and now you guys are finding yourself trying to get back in the playoff picture. How did you guys stick together as a unit to – eventually get to this point where you're building confidence and have the potential to go on a run here to end the year?
2: One one day at a time and one play at a time. You can't get to the next play without taking care of the one you're at right there. So just living in that moment, just being right, and just keep chopping away. Sometimes it might not go right. It might not feel right, you know. Um, it's football and it's life, but just believe. And I feel like we all believe in each other and – you know, who knows how far we can go. We just got to keep going and keep
0: trucking it. All right, Gabe, I know you're from Mississippi. Spent some time in Oakland. Now you're in the Northwest. How are you dealing with this short days? It gets dark around 430, and now it's cold and wet all year. How are you dealing with all that?
2: <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm a homebody, so like, I don't be out and about like that in no way. So uh, it don't bother me. Uh, I look at it as a plus, you know, especially when it's time to take a nap while I go <laughs> sleep at night. It's, it's Chris Black, so
0: it, it, it's a bonus and help me give it some recovery. here. There we go, sleep recovery. You got to tell these youngsters, man, they be up all night on their phones. They got to get to sleep, get that recovery. Gabe, man, we appreciate you taking time out of your night. Let's have a good one this weekend. All uh,
2: right, thank
0: you all. All right, that was Gabe Jackson, guard for the Seattle Seahawks. When we return, we'll take a deeper look at the Rams. I'm here with Nassachobe right here on Hawks Live. Welcome to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus with Naz It's time to take a deeper look into these Los Angeles Rams. Here's one thing about these Rams, man. They started the season hot, man. They beat the Bears, the Colts, the Bucks, then they lose to the Cardinals 37-20. Then they beat the Seahawks, the Giants, the Lions, the Texans, lose three in a row, then bounce back, and they beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. And on Monday Night Football, they beat the Arizona Cardinals. Now, that's just the surface. We got to get deeper into this football team and talk about some of these matchups we're looking forward to seeing. And Chobi, the one matchup I'm looking to see, and it's not even one matchup, it's multiple matchups, is their receivers versus our secondary, led by Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup's having one of the best seasons in NFL history with four games left to go. This guy has 113 receptions, 1,489 yards, and 12 touchdowns. He does about everything, but it's not just him. Van Jefferson has 41 receptions for six, 679 yards and six touchdowns. OBJ has 15 receptions for 204, three touchdowns, has one touchdown in each of the last three games. You got Odell, you got Cooper Cup, you got Van Jefferson. This is just the take-me-up top group we're looking at. Well, first of all, shout-out to
1: Cooper Cup. Obviously, we know Eastern
0: Washington
1: from Yakima. Obviously, Washington, shout-out there. But he's having one of the best seasons in NFL history. He's not just having a good year. He's having one of the best seasons ever for a wide receiver. He leads the league in receptions. He leads the league in yards. He leads the league in touchdowns, okay? Cup is the first player in NFL history to do that through the first three, 13 games of the year. And then also, he's ha- if he reaches 90 receiving yards against Seattle on Sunday, he will become the first player ever to record at least 90 receiving yards in 10 consecutive games in the Super Bowl era. So, so the boy's doing it. So he's all right. He's all right. He's okay. (laughs) When you're on list with Jerry Rice and Michael Irvin, Shannon Sharp, you're doing it. And the thing about him, Bump, you would know better than I would as a receiver, when you just watch him, he's a technician. He can legitimately do it all. He can beat you over the top, intermediate, short. He has great hands. And the way the connection he had with Matt Stafford so quickly, I mean, Cooper Cup is a boss. And for me, honestly, this weekend with the Seahawks, if
0: he has under 90 yards, that is a huge win. Sign me up for that all day long. Yeah, he's going to get 11 to 12 targets. You hold him under 90, you're going to be good. Van Jefferson is a guy that's kind of been a surprise, man. Actually, a funny story, you probably know, his dad is a receiver coach yep. for the Arizona Cardinals. You saw him catch a touchdown. His dad's going nuts over there on the sideline, uh, just mad. At him. But, you know, Jefferson is a guy who can take you up top as well. And when you have multiple weapons, right, you got Cooper, you got Van Jefferson, Odell Beckham. That's got to be nice for Matt Stafford. He's never had this many weapons. He might have had one of the greatest weapons of all time in Megatron, Calvin. Right. But he's never had this many weapons to go to, and he's found his way out of that slump. It seems like he's, he's in a groove right now. The,
1: th- the What
0: tells me he's in that groove is that touchdown to
1: Cooper Cup. He threw it. It's a corner of the end zone, the only place Cooper could come down with it. The, the DB for Arizona had Outstanding, perfect coverage on the play. Somehow he threads the needle, gets it through there. He's playing at an all-time high confidence level. He's finally with a a head coach that's good. You know what I'm saying?
0: (laughs) No disrespect. Hold on, I should back up. Codwell
1: is a good coach. Yeah, Codwell is a good coach. The coaches after him struggled when Stafford was there. But he's finally with Sean McVay. He's finally with an offense that can be explosive. So this receiving score scares me. And while we're talking about the receiver's bump, this is one of the biggest keys to the game for me. It's explosive plays. Yeah. The Seahawks allowed 10 passes that went over 15 yards against the Rams. A 16-yard reception, a 17-yard reception, 17, 25, 68, 20, 20, 23, 24, 33. And this is what, this is what killed them last game. It was all these explosive plays, and that's the one thing the Seahawks can't have because if, if you have that many explosive plays, you're not going to keep them off the scoreboard. So that's the number one job of this defense. It's to eliminate the explosives, destroy them, and you have a chance. And half
0: of those explosive plays came on the same play. We broke it down on our Hawk Talk uh, preview edition. And uh, they get in a three-by-one or just a trip set. It can be trade. They do it out of multiple positions. Just three receivers to the right or the left side. One guy hooks it up. Another guy runs a deep cross. Another guy runs like a post. And what they do is they put the flat defender in a bind. Are you going to jump on the hook in front of you or are you going to run with the deep cross? And for some reason, the – Seahawks couldn't figure it out. Now, I think you told me that B-Wags was saying that they ran it at a different depth. So now we're in, what week are we in right now? We, we are in week 15. Week 15. All right, so now there, there's so many opportunities to watch film. Do you expect them to play that route combination better than they have in the past? I absolutely do. And, and the thing about it, so we're, I'm going to get to some Bobby sound like you mentioned. I
1: absolutely think they're going to play it better, so, but let's go back and listen to Bobby Wagner on how to stop those deep crossing routes. We have to play with some depth. I think that's the the biggest thing. I think, um, you know, with some of their routes that they were running um, up until that point on film, um, they weren't running it as deep as they they ran it in our game. And so we have to be conscious of those particular routes and, um, you know, make sure we play a little bit deeper uh, this game, but also be ready to come down and rally to the pass because, you know, know, do a good job of, of taking what you give them. If you jump the short one, they'll throw it over your head. If you stay back, they'll take the the five to seven yard gain. And so it's one of those games where you're just gonna have to be patient and you're gonna have to just keep making tackle, keep making tackles, then capitalize when they make a mistake. I think first of all, I think you just gotta tip your cap to the Rams because they just they scheme the Seahawks a little bit, right? Yep. They are running those same routes, that exact same concept out of the trips at a shorter depth and with the Seahawks look to film, they're doing it all week, and then all of a sudden the Rams, boom. Now that dig that was 7 or 8, it's 15, 17, 20 yards down. So I think the Seahawks were in the film room, obviously, Ken Norton and the rest of that defensive staff. I think they have to adjust because the Rams went to this about seven times that first game and a couple times on back-to-back plays, and they caught the Seahawks in a couple blitzes one time. Bobby Wagner was blitzing or Jordan Brooks was blitzing, so the remaining linebacker turned and ran with that over route. So I think they're going to scheme it up differently. I'd look to see Ugo Amadi – and some of the backers making plays. And I'm saying this hoping, bump because if they don't, it's going to be a long day.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it could be a long day, man. The the Rams are in a groove right now. And as Paul Moyer said, you'd rather play a team that's coming off a loss than a win. But you play who you got to play. Now, I look at this Rams offense, and I say to myself, Hawks could do that. The Hawks can do that. That's what we were expecting, honestly, getting Shane Waldron over here, seeing some of the same things. But – I think that the Hawks are starting to do some things that way. I think that Shane didn't have his offensive line intact. He loses D. Esker the guy that he was counting on to help out a lot. I mean, lose Everett for a game. Uh, we're finally, the, the run game hasn't been gone. Run game is huge in what they like to do. You watch Matthew, Matthew Stafford, when he does his play fake, he reminds me of paid Manny, man. He shows that football on the stretch, he tucks it, he boots around. I think those were the type of things that we were hoping to see that we're starting to see now. So I can't wait to watch the film when this game is all said and done. Hopefully the Hawks get a win. And I can compare, like, the kind of the styles. I have the Hawks, excuse me, the Rams changed so much since Shane has left. Well, and the thing about Shane, right, he's had a
1: really tough job. You mentioned all those factors that were against him. Here's the biggest factor to me with Shane in having success on offense. The Seahawks have only ran 60 plays in a game three times this entire season. You want it looks look like on, for the defensive side? The Seahawks have allowed over 60 plays defensively. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 9, 10, 11, 12 of the games. Mm. So obviously, it's a play discrepancy, right? The defense is on the field the whole game. So, it's, as an offensive coordinator, you call plays, you've done this. Yep. It's really hard to get into a rhythm and do things when you're only running 55 plays in a game or when you're two of 12 on third down. So, I think what we're seeing is they're finally elongating some drives. They're staying on the football field. And, like you said, we're starting to see little, you know, sprinkles of
0: what this Shane Waldron offense could be. And once again, we're going to see a team for the second week in a row that takes the football out the air. The Rams have 14 interceptions to the Hawks, seven. It was pretty much the same last week against the Houston Texans, seven to 14. They got some guys in the secondary. They got Tyler Rapp, UW, big ups, Jalen Ramsey if he's available. Um, because of the pressure that they can cause on that defensive line with Donald with Leonard Floyd, they cause quarterbacks to make poor decisions. That's one thing Russ hasn't been doing. He hasn't yeah. been making poor decisions. Russ just has to do what he's been doing the last few weeks. No question about it. He's been efficient. And what the best part about last week
1: is that deep ball came back. We yeah. mentioned it. There's not a living human walking this planet Earth that has a better deep ball than Russell Wilson. That's fact. That is, <laughs> hey. I won't I won't hear you anything else. Here. Fact, right? And we got to see that again. Yep. We got to see hit, connecting with Tyler Lock and other guys on the football field. And the two weeks before that, we didn't really see that touch, right, because his finger wasn't all the way healthy, and he was getting back. He hadn't played football for a month. And then we're like, dang, this is how other people feel all year <laughs> long. And then back to Sunday, the last two weeks, we see the Russ we've always known and loved. So, Bump, I mean, I, I can't wait. I feel like he's getting to that point, and he's going to take us on a run,
0: and people are going to feel a certain type of way about the things they've been saying about this team all year long. Feels like the Hawks are getting back in a groove. If they can win this football game, if they can beat the Los Angeles Rams, they can go on a run right here. After the Rams, they have the Bears. We assume they win that. They have the Lions. They better win that. Yeah. You finish the season <laughs> off at the Arizona Cardinals. This is a big game right here. You need some things to happen in front of you on the playoff race, but they get this done, and the Hawks are looking good. When we return, we'll bring in the professor, John Clayton. That is next right here on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live on Michael Bumpus with NASA Chobe. It is seven forty four, almost seven forty five. No funk today, but we're we're still going to keep it funky with John Clayton. JC, what's up?
3: No funk? How come no funk?
0: Uh, you know we we got we got some moving pieces in here right now. We got NASA Chobe from behind the glass. Matt Nelson took some time out of his day to help us out. So you know we're we're adjusting. That's what football does. Yeah, we we're, we're,
3: where is everybody?
0: All right, John. Paul is, is off hitting golf balls, and my other, oh. my other um, <laughs> pregame hosts are, are being dads, probably. <laughs> okay, understood. But, John, I cannot, I cannot wait to ask you this question. Yeah. What is up with your boy, Urban Meyer?
3: Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer. Again, <laughs> and you know, I was on this from the very beginning. Yes, you were. Because, again, <laughs> when you when you hire a pure college coach – who's never been in the NFL, he just doesn't know. And because of the fact that he doesn't know, he doesn't know all these different things. And Urban Meyer turns out to be the worst college coach ever hired. Now, again, we know that back in 2007, Bobby Petrino was really bad. Atlanta hated him. He left after 13 games, 3-10, and 10, to go to uh, Arkansas. <laughs> but in the case of Urban, I mean, look at all the things that he did so bad. I mean, he hired here in, you know, Black Lives Matter in the NFL, and he hires an assistant coach who was fired in college for racist comments. Okay. Then, of course, he treats his players like uh, kids, you know, teenagers when they're adults. And I know that the uh, (laughs) the players on Jacksonville went over and – told the Rams, particularly Jalen Ramsey, that it's like, oh, yeah. It's like he, he treats us like kids, Then he kicks the kicker. How do you kick a kicker and then cuss him out and then say, hey, I'm the head man. I can kick you any time I want. So that, the poor communication, all those different things. I mean, again, I, I thought this was going to be bad. It turned out to be worse than I thought. I mean, we're just remarkable.
1: John, is this the end of the road for Urban Meyer? Do you think he'll get a job at another Power Five conference?
3: I, I think he can get a job in college if he wants to. The question is, does he want to? Now, of course, the one thing is, as lazy as he is, I mean, he's got a five-year deal at $70 million. And so he's making $12 million a year, so he may not have to work. but and, and You know, he was the last couple of years uh, not necessarily taking college jobs. I mean, he can still get one because he's a good college coach. He's just not anything that the NFL should touch. I
0: right, John. The Seattle Seahawks beat the Texans in Texas. Have they officially turned a corner? Can we start believing again?
3: I think so. Well, particularly, too, with this game coming up, because I have no idea how this thing is going to be played. I don't know if you saw it tonight, but nine more members of the Rams one on the COVID list, that's 25. That's half, almost half their roster. And I, I know that there's adjustments that have been made today in a standpoint that you can get guys back a lot faster because now even if they're positive, you're not judging to you don't necessarily have to say that they have to have negative tests or anything else. You're judging them on their viral level. And if their viral level is at a certain level, then they can come back and play. That's why, for example, you can't rule out Tyler Lockett unless he's not cleared by Saturday, and you can't rule out Alex Collins. So there's so much uncertainty. But 25 guys on the Rams list, incredible.
1: Now, John, we know the NFL has worked really hard to make sure all these games are played. They've even talked about that people not getting paychecks if there's massive COVID outbreaks. Mm-hmm. Is there any worry throughout the league, whether it's in Cleveland with the Rams, that some games won't get played this weekend?
3: Of course. I mean, you've got more than 20 guys right now on Cleveland. you got 21 right now with Washington. you got 25 with the Rams. You've got 12 with Chicago. And so you don't know how that's all going to play out. But, you know, again, it's a team decision, not a league decision. But if the team doesn't have enough players, then they can't play.
0: John, are you watching this Thursday night football game? you got yes. KC 13. The Chargers, 14. I like this kid, Justin Herbert. John, go, coming into the his career, I wasn't sure about him, but I'm becoming a believer. What about you?
3: Well, I was a believer last year because, you know, I know I did a story for the Washington Post with uh, Tom Telesco, the general manager, and this is the guy that he wanted, not necessarily Tua. And so when Miami took Tua, he felt totally relieved that he was going to get the guy that he wanted. And so because of that, uh, you can see that Herbert's now had back-to-back 30 touchdown seasons, he can run, he's sharp, he can do all these different things. I mean, he is absolutely sensational. So certainly one of the best young quarterbacks to step into the league in the last two years. And I think he's got a major play. And right now, he's sitting there with a 20-13 to lead waiting to see how they do on the extra point.
1: John, so going back to the Rams, the Seahawks opponent this weekend, is Cooper Cup. Two part question. Number one, is Cooper Cup yeah. the best receiver in the league? And is this something that you think he can do again? Are we seeing a kind of a mirage of a great thing and everything just lines up? Or do you think Cooper Cup can have this kind of sustained success throughout the rest of his career?
3: No, I was like I still remember being on the sideline for the first game down with the Rams and Cooper Cup ended up getting his first real chance to play. And you can see then he was really good. And so as much as Devontae Adams has been the best receiver over the last couple of years, now you have to give it the cup. I mean, he's on the uh, the verge of setting team record, I mean, league records for pass catches, for yardage, all those different things. And he's just an absolutely fantastic. And, and I know talking to people down with the Rams. The, the thing is, because he actually did play quarterback at one point, he's so sharp in recognizing things. I know that Sean McVeigh just the other day said that the, uh, You know He's Peyton Manning Sharp in his recognition of what's going on with the defense and what's going on overall, and he's that good. And so right now, he is the best receiver because he's having one of the greatest receiving years in NFL history.
0: John, I appreciate you saying that because when I said it, it didn't mean nothing. My co-hosts were like, the best receiver in the league. What are you talking about? Yes, Cooper Cup is the best receiver in the league. So John Clayton says it. You know that it's real, but now I want to ask you about – Matthew Stafford. He is surrounded by weapons. He had his tough run, what, they lost three games in a row. It seems like he is back. Do you feel like he is good enough to take this team to a Super Bowl?
3: I think so, yeah. I mean, because, again, he's that talented, and he's always been that talented. I mean, the problem is he was in Detroit, and he didn't have enough talent around him. Now he's got more talent around him than he's ever had. It's kind of like last year with Tom Brady. Tom Brady never had this many wide receivers and skilled players and stuff like that when he was with New England and you saw what he was able to do last year, he took the team to the Super Bowl. Now, again, you know, they don't have Odell Beckham jr. Probably this week. Uh, They're down, you know, one of their backup, two of their backup tight ends. And so that's going to hurt. And they're hurting a little bit on the offensive line, but no, I think you can see, even though he had a little bit of a slump for about three or four weeks. I mean, this guy is really, really good.
1: Well, John, so the Rams have obviously been win now, obviously, the last couple of years. You bring yeah. in OBJ, you bring in Von Miller, all the moves that they continue to make. You pay Jalen Ramsey. If the Rams don't get to the Super Bowl this year, number one, is it Super Bowl or bust? Or, you know, what's Sean McVay look like after this year if they don't get it? Because they don't have a first-round pick until my kids are yeah. probably 15. So, what's the state of the Rams if they don't win the Super Bowl this year?
3: I still think they can squeeze out one more year, but it'll start to catch up to them in 2013. Because, again, that's going to be five years without a first-round pick. And, you know, they still have cap issues, things of that nature, and being able to resign some players. So that could be very, very difficult. So in the end, I think that, uh, you know, the Rams still can squeeze out one more year, but that's about it. Because normally you you have, like, about a four- or five-year cycle uh, to stay on top. And, you know, they're still you know young in that cycle, but overall – I think you can see that when you don't have the first-round picks, and and again, like, for example, next year, uh, they only have like about uh, two or three draft choices. Now they get another one because of a compensatory pick from one of the front-office executives that they lost, so they get a third-round compensatory, but they, they just don't have any draft choices. And again, if you don't have any draft choices, you don't have enough young guys to be able to justify your cap, so that will definitely catch up to them.
0: No draft picks for a long time, my guy says, until his kids are 15. His kids ain't even Mm -hmm. born yet. He's on the way, or she's on the way. So it's going to be a long time before the Rams have another draft pick. But I want to ask you about Defensive Player of the Year, right? There's a lot of guys in the mix right now. You got Bosa, you got Aaron Donald, and you got a rookie, and Micah Parsons over there for the Dallas Cowboys. Who do you think wins Defensive Player of the Year?
3: Uh, It's still wide open because you can't rule out Aaron Donald. But I I think right now Micah Parsons, has a great chance of doing it because again, you know, one of the things that happened is that they didn't have the Marcus Lawrence. They didn't have, uh, you know, certainly Randy Gregory. So he had to add something to his game that he didn't do in college, which is rush the quarterback. And he not only rushed the quarterback, but he rushed him well. And you can see that coming into the draft, you know, he and Patrick Sertan were the best two defensive players in the draft. And Sertan's had a great year, but again, Parsons has had a, even a better year so I think he has a chance but again it's still kind of wide open
1: it's that time of the show John first of all we want to say thank you for joining us all season long every single Thursday on Hawks Live at 745 with Professor John Clayton But it's that time John what's on your mind
3: well what's on my mind right now is just a matter by the way looks like there's a good chance that the, the Chiefs are going to take the lead oh, it does the flag but the you know the, uh, the thing that the uh, I, I, what I like is the fact that the, I mean, I'm, I'm still amazed at what the league did with the COVID uh, uh, adjustment because I don't know if it's right or wrong. The players are upset about it because you know what they what they said yesterday is that they are worried that the uh, NFL would go back and start to worry more about the competition than safety. And so what they did today is they came back and they said, okay, so now we're going to let players come back even though they test positive in a day or two, if their are uh, viral level at a certain uh, level. And if that's going to be the case, I mean, you're going to get guys back faster, but how much damage can they come? Because again, you know, they, they didn't do as much testing as they should. They ended up having over a hundred players, you know, being on the COVID list. I'm worried about that. And that's, that's what I'm because again, you know, not that I agree with the players association a lot of times, but in this case, I agree with him 100% because I think right now what you're looking at, they're more concerned about the competition than they are anything else.
0: Money talks, John. Money talks, man. We appreciate you taking time out of your night. We'll do it again on Sunday. Okay, sounds good. All right, that was John Clayton. When we return, it's time to talk that talk. Me and Asa Chobie will square up and talk about some topics that are dear to us. Will the Seahawks make the playoffs? Who's better, DK or Jalen Ramsey? Is a Super Bowl or bust for the Rams? We'll talk about that and more next right here on Hawks Live. It's time to talk that talk with Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live. It's time to talk that talk. We're going to pick some topics to square off, except it's not Paul Moyer on the other side of the ring. It is NASA Choby. NASA produces this thing, so he knows how it goes. I don't need to explain the rules to this dude. Let's go, baby. He knows what's up. So the first question I got for you, Choby. Will the Seahawks make the playoffs? The answer is yes. Now everyone's going to be like, "Man, you are such
1: a homer. There's no chance the Seahawks can make the playoffs. They started 3 and 8." Yep. Well, I'm going to tell you why they're going to make the playoffs. Take a look at the current playoff standings, right? I'm only going to look at the wild card spots, right? You have the Washington football team 6 and 7. Mm-hmm. Minnesota Vikings 6 and 7, Eagles 6 and 7, Falcons 6 and 7, Saints 6 and 7, Panthers 5 and eight. I'm going to tell you why, and it's in the schedule. That's why. All right. Obviously, it should be noted that I'm assuming the Seahawks win out and they take care of business this Sunday. Mm -hmm. And I do think that's going to happen, so let's just put that aside. The Seahawks finish 9-8. The Washington football team plays the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Giants. They're going to split with the Eagles, probably. They play them twice, and they're going to lose to the Cowboys. Boom. What does that make it? 8-9. All right. doesn't matter if the Seahawks lost to them. They have a better record. The Vikings, they got the Bears, the Rams, the Packers, the Bears. They play the Bears twice, division rival, they probably split. They're definitely losing to the Rams, and they're losing to the Packers. So they could finish 7-10 or 8-9 okay. by Vikings. Okay, Eagles, Washington football team twice, Giants, Cowboys. They're going to smack the Giants. They'll split with the Washington football team, division rival. They'll lose to the Cowboys. Okay, they're gone. Falcons, 49ers, Lions, Bills, Saints. They're going to lose to the 49ers. They're gonna smack the Lions, but they're gonna to lose to the Bills. And the Saints doesn't matter because they're now eight and nine. Now going to the Saints. They play Tampa, Miami, Panthers, Falcons. They're losing to Tampa. They're probably losing to Miami. They'll beat the Panthers and the Falcons. And then the Panthers, they're a lost cause. They're five and eight. They got they got Buffalo, the Bucks twice in the Saints. So they're thin they're not, they might not win another game this year. And the Seahawks went out. And I'm telling you, Bump, it's going to happen. I just broke down the schedule. Everything I said feels real. There's a possibility there. Feels so real. I'm saying it's going to happen. Seahawks take care of business on Sunday, and they are
0: going to the playoffs. And they are going to the playoffs. He says, I love his energy, his belief. He wakes us up on Sundays with all this hypeness and lets us know why this is going to happen. I'm going to tell you why it's not going to happen. Uh, and I, I, I love the Hawks. Gave me an opportunity to play the game I love for money. I work for them on Sundays. I like some of the guys on the team. <laughs> these are my dudes. All right, but I think it comes down to the Minnesota Vikings. They are so unpredictable, these Vikings. All right, they played the Bears twice. I think they handle them. I think they're going to handle the Bears twice. Okay? Then I think they're going to win a game between the Rams and the Packers. They're going to win one of those games. It might be the Rams. It might be the Packers. Kirk Cousins is the most unpredictable quarterback in the league. I want to say he leads the league in touchdowns right now. Uh, he you just never know what he's going to do the wild card just because of the unpredictable. I don't have the wins and the losses and he's they're going to be and they move there. And all the scientific stuff that you just did, I'm just going off of my heart and what the Minnesota Vikings do. And I think they're going to win three out of their last four. They hold the tiebreaker. It's a wrap. I mean, a valid argument. They are very unpredictable, but I could also
1: see them because they're so unpredictable. I could see them going 0-4. <laughs> oh
0: but whatever. Hey, I'm with that. I hope they do. I hope you're right. <laughs> I, I hope, hope I'm, I'm wrong too for a lot of different <laughs> reasons.
1: Okay, next topic. Will Rashad Penny have another 100-yard game before the season's
0: over? Will he? That is most definitely. This guy's gonna get going. I don't know if it's against the Rams. I think that he plays well against the Rams. But I think the Bears and the Lions are ready to give up 120, 125 (laughs) to Rashopi. They're just waiting to give up 120, 125. So, yeah, just because of the schedule, because I know the Rams struggles defensively and the Lions struggles, I think he's going to get it done. This week, though, I just need to see him get the ball 15 to 16 times and be effective and have those impact runs, as Turbo would say. What do you think? Well, you know, I think about a Dev's advocate would say, well,
1: do you think he's going to continue to be healthy? I think he's going to be healthy because he's shown it the last two weeks, and I have to agree with you, Bump, because I'm seeing Rashad. He's got that swag. He's walking around. Boom, he's getting the rock. He's running downhill. He's running between the tackles. The confidence is there, and we all know about the speed. Rashad Penny, I'm going to do you one further. All right. My man gets two 100-yard games before the season's over. I said it. Against the Bears and the Lions. (laughs) Yeah,
0: maybe even the Cardinals. I don't know, but it's at least two. I'm I'm
1: going with two. I'm going with two.
0: I'm with you. I'm with you. All right, is it my turn or your turn? It's your turn. All right, Matthew Stafford will never win or play in a Super Bowl. Thoughts?
1: Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, But it's really not that tough,
0: no. Ain't going down, huh?
1: I don't think it's going down, and it has nothing to do with Matthew Stafford. I think he is a great quarterback. I think he did get a lot of shade for playing in Detroit. I think he's better than all those teams he played on. But when you want to look at Matthew Stafford, look at what he's gone through, man. He has struggled so mightily in his career, okay, as I'm just fumbling through these notes trying to find the stat that I wrote down. And here it is. Matthew Stafford, last Monday night, was his first win ever against a team with eight-plus victories at the time of the game, previously 0-20. Matthew Stafford also collected his first win against an opponent who entered the game at least five games above 500, 0 0-17 heading into that game. And you can say, well, a lot of that is playing in Detroit. That's a bad program. That's a bad football team. Got them to the playoff once, they always took out. Now he's here with a great head coach, a great environment. They're going all in to win out. I just don't think they win the Super Bowl this year, and this is their best year to do it. I think they're going to have to pay mm-hmm. people, and it has nothing to do with his skill set or Sean McVay. Those are two amazing players and coach coach and player combo. I just don't think if they don't do it this year, they are going they don't have draft picks. They don't have any of that stuff, and I don't think it's going to happen. He's going to start to decline. He's old. So, no, Matt does not go to a – he might go to one. He definitely doesn't win one.
0: All right. Well, you just stole my argument because I'm saying if it don't happen this year, it ain't going to happen, and it's not going to happen this year. Aaron Rodgers playing out of sight. Tom Brady playing out of sight. You still got to go through Kyler Murray. You still got to go through Dak Prescott. Let's go to the other side of the bracket. You got Mac Jones and the Patriots playing well. Tennessee Titans are finding their way through. You can never sleep on Pat Mahomes and those boys. And Justin Herbert is emerging as a star in this league. Too many obstacles for this young man to go over. I don't think he's young anymore. He's probably like my age. We're like 33, 34 years old. He's been in the league for a minute. He's at least that. He's been here for a while. He ain't young no more. I do not think it is going to happen.
1: Well, I'm going to sneak one more in before the gun because we've got no more guests coming up beyond this. I can do this because, you know what, I, pr- I put hey, the show together. You, pr- you, you produce me? this? Is that yeah, what you do here? That's what I would have said in okay. your ear, but I'm on this <laughs> side of the glass. I never get to do this. I never get to make decisions on the air like that. So I'm going to do it. One quick one. Will DK Metcalf get the better of Jalen
0: Ramsey on Sunday? Most definitely. Most definitely because he's due. He's due. He's a sleeping volcano. He's due. The last couple of games, I believe he has five receptions, 173 yards. The 5 receptions, somewhere around there. 173 yards in the last two two or three games. That's just not DK Metcalf. Tyler Lockett has gotten a lot of love. He deserves it. All these targets, good for him. But I think it's time for 14 to reemerge. And he gets up for games like this. He likes the challenge of Jalen Ramsey. I think he wins the bout. I'm with you because I want to see it. But what I really want
1: to see and all the fans out there want to see is DK Metcalf, Jalen Ramsey, both mic'd up. Please. But we're never gonna see that, man. You you don't people don't pay enough money
0: for that. You don't get that stuff for free. You man, know what I'm saying? I pay a hundred bucks for that. A hundred. <laughs> I pay sixty five for the UFC. I'll pay a hundred bucks for DK and Ramsey mic'd up. I think you get people. I think there's people out there that pay a lot more than that. Yeah, something to think about. NFL. You heard it here. You got to give us our money if y'all do that, though. We need like five percent. All right. We return. We'll go inside the film and We'll break down Russell Wilson finding Tyler Lockett for a fifty five yard touchdown. Daryl Taylor sacks Davis Mills in the fourth quarter. Then Rashad Penny takes it to the house. 47 yards. All that's next here on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bump is joined with NASA Chovy today. Paul Moyer's out hitting golf balls in the desert of some sort. It's time to go into the film room, and I love the film room, man. This is – if you ever played sports and they're filming your practice and the eye in the sky never lies, if your coach asks you a question – You better come with as accurate as a response as you can because you're going to watch film and be exposed. Oh, absolutely. I think about Coach
1: Stewart, who had an amazing career. Shout out to Coach Stewart, my high school coach at Medvedo High School, retired from another great run at Mariner High School. But you couldn't lie, man, that old film, Eye in the Sky, where you
0: blocked, you better have an answer because if you're wrong, (laughs) you're going to answer to it. Better have the right answer. Okay, so now let's break down our first play. We're going to look at Russell Wilson. He finds Tyler Lockett for a 55-yard touchdown on first and 10 from the Hawks 45.
4: Sliding to his right side. Stops, looks, throws deep. Got a man out there, Lockett. Wide open. Touchdown, Seahawks. How in the world does Tyler Lockett get open as he hits the deck and swims the rest of the way? A 55-yard rainbow by Russell Wilson and the 12s, and there are a lot of them, are going nuts and houston 16 10 the hawks lead
0: just a real nice combination for the defense that the hawks are seeing the texans come out of one high look and drop into cover three that means the corner free safety corner have deep thirds now tyler lock is on the bottom he's on the bottom of the numbers He has a tight end inside of him i believe that's gerald everett gerald everett is going to run the speed out and take care of the flat defender Tyler Lockett stems inside to kind of fill that corner. And when he gets about to the 40, he jabs at him. Boom, right foot in the ground. And that kind of kind of stumbles the the cornerback a little bit and just fly by him. But the key to all this happening is that safety. NASA Chobi was talking about this before the break. Like, look, when you see a, a safety try to speed turn out of that thing, is that a speed turn? What's the proper? Well, no, he should have speed turned. Have he opened it. up his hips right and then opened up back left. Yeah, and, and – once we see that happening, you're done. So all uh, Lockett does is he gets skinny, he stays away from the safety, he gets on top of the corner, and Russell just delivers a bomb. And sixteen does what he does. You know, the, for the Texans defensively, they're
1: they're in decent shape. You Just got to do your job. Yep. You're watching this. It's it's pass all the way. Tyler Lockett's great at running these deep routes. You can rally up to anything short. When you're a deep third defender, you got to stay deep, and it's. Easy pitch and catch, and that's what we talked about earlier. We're talking about Russell Wilson's amazing arm and the moon balls and the shots that you see right there. That's exactly what you're looking at. And just, I mean, the Texans are where they are for a reason. They ranked dead last in almost every single category. Good against the
0: pass though, fifteen.
1: Yeah, you're no, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I, I sold, I sold them short. But on this play, it's just, it's just bad secondary play. The safety gets out of position. Granted, when you have DK Metcalf on one side, Tarlock on one side, and they're both running deep routes, I understand being conflicted. But you got a
0: speed turn, baby. Otherwise, you got no chance. Yeah, it's amazing to me how Tyler Lockett continues to get open deep. And I, he's a fast football player, but he does the little subtle things that people don't really pick up on. Like that jab at the corner to make him stumble, that's a subtle thing. That's something may maybe a, um, a receiver that's not as experienced really, really doesn't do. He just tries to run by you. But he says, look, I'm going to run by you, but I'm going to make you stumble at the same time. Lockett is one of the, like I said, I'll say it all the time, the most humble superstar in this oh, yeah. league that nobody talks about. Give this man his love, man. All right, next play. We got Daryl Taylor. He sacks Davis Mills in the fourth quarter, second and fourteen.
4: Second down and fourteen. Play fake. Mills wrapped up and dropped. Taylor into the backfield, and this time he gets him. This time it's going to count. Daryl Taylor with the sack, and that is his sixth sack on the year.
1: This play bump is really simple. First of all, Daryl Taylor is an amazing athlete, and he has great get off. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you're an offensive coordinator somewhere out there in the league and you're listening to Hawks Live for some reason on a (laughs) a Thursday night in Seattle at 8 o'clock, do not try to pick up Daryl Taylor with a tight end who's motioning across the formation. That is an L. Throw that out of the playbook. It is not going to help you. Essentially what happens is— they, the tackle comes down the line of scrimmage towards Alwoods, get a little double team there, and they expect the tight end who's on to Davis's Mills left to come across the formation and pick up and unblock Daryl Taylor. Taylor has a great get off, and there's no chance he, this guy has any chance of stopping him. Gets by him. Davis Mills has no chance. He goes down for a sack. It would have been a decent completion, not for a lot of yards. It might have got
0: three or four yards if he gets the ball out of his hands, but throw that out to playbook. That ain't going to work. Daryl Taylor's get off is underrated. If you just and how, how often do people just look at the defensive line during a play and say, okay, I'm gonna hone in on one player? I encourage all you guys, three or four times throughout the game on Sunday, just lock it on Daryl Taylor and see his activity. He might not win that rep, but you see his activity and he's getting comfortable, man. He feels that tackle down step. Like he's even looking, you look at the tackle, the right tackle's body language. His eyes are inside. He's not even paying attention to Daryl Taylor. And Daryl Taylor playing like a veteran, says, I can just fire off this football right now. And now, like, Choby, you mentioned, you're asking this tight end to get east-west and get at a guy who's going north-south downhill right now who has great hands and great feet, dips that right shoulder, shrugs him off, gets to the quarterback. Daryl Taylor now has six sacks. Big Ray said he's going to have ten by the end of the season. He keeps playing like this. There's a possibility. I hope Big Ray's right. There's got four games left, one sack every game. He gets a ten. Get her done, DT. Okay. Star of the show, Rashad Penny. We're going to break this down. Penny takes a 47-yard run to the house to seal the game.
4: Second down and seven run by Penny left side. Breaks one tackle. First down. He is gone. 30, 20, 10, 5. Touchdown Seahawks. Rashad Penny breaks it at the line of scrimmage and takes off for 47 yards. There's a 100-plus day. For the Seahawks, 137 yards for just Rashad Penny. What a game. And if you keep doing that, if you keep pounding that line of scrimmage and the defense, one of these is going to break. And Rashad has had two of them break today.
0: This is just a numbers game, man. I think the Hawks and Shane Waldron do a great job here. They line up three tight ends to the right side. That means the Texans got to bring defenders that way. You have to bring defenders that way. You cannot ignore the three tight ends. They're going to run away from that. Now, what happens here is our left guard gets the double team, helps the center, boom, gets to the second level, the linebacker, the right guard gets to the linebacker, gets his hand on the shoulders, and then what really springs this is D.S. Gridge on a push-crack is what we call it. You push towards the corner, crack towards the safety, and Rashad does a great job of being patient and finding his way through. One of the most beautiful things in football is when a run game A run just pops. Like, I'm a receiver. I love route combinations, the deep ball, all that stuff. But because of all the chaos that is in the box in football, when guys get to their spots and do what they have to do and make it easy for running backs, man, it's beautiful. Yeah, you love it, too. Rashad Penny's just patient. He's not running in, you know, he's patient
1: with the play. Let's O-line do their work, get to the second level. And you mentioned D. Eskridge. That's one of my favorite things, too, because he gets the safety, and that's the block that springs this touchdown. He makes this work at the end of the play. And as a safety coming downhill, you're supposed to not be blocked by a receiver, right? Especially a guy like D. D. D'Estrich doesn't kill him. He doesn't flat back him because you don't need to do that. You just need to get enough to seal the edge. And then Rashad Penny. You want to talk about speed? If you get number 20 in the open field, good luck. Because you're not going to catch him. And the one thing I love to watch when you're watching film is the guy who's on the backside, the corner, the savior angle, one of the fastest guys on the field. He's taking that savior angle, and nothing's worse than taking that savior angle. And he's just getting farther and farther away,
0: dusting you in the open field. So great run, great call. Good work, Rashad. Penny showing that speed. Eight returns in college for a touchdown. Eight returns, man. All right, when we come back, we'll go around the NFL. Things just keep getting worse in Jacksonville, man. You won't believe the latest headlines from the Urban Meyer fiasco. You won't want to miss this conversation up next, right here on Hawks Live. Hawks live on Michael Bumpus with NASA Chobie. If you're watching Thursday Night Football, there's a game going on 28 to 28 in overtime. Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs get the ball, and they are driving just through a pass to the second best tight end in the league, Travis Kelsey. We uh, have anointed George Kittle as the best in the league. But uh, now it's time for us to go around the NFL, and there is a headline that we cannot ignore Urban Meyer. <laughs> okay. Just ain't, this ain't working out for him, man. First, first during all this social justice stuff going on, he hires a strength and conditioning coach who got fired for racial stuff. Starts off all bad. Uh, and then he has this issue where he decides to stay in, I think we decided it's Cincinnati. Cincinnati stays back behind, has his team, flies back home. Then he's caught in a bar, young lady around him. I believe he's married with kids. Sure is. Not a good look, Urban. Yep. And goes around and he has his coaches stand up in a meeting and, and explain what they've done just to let them know you haven't done as much as me, so simmer down. Then he kicks his kicker. I mean, this dude from day one has started his NFL career horribly. And because we keep getting offenses, that's just who he is. He must be a heck of an interview. He must know how to interview and hit all the points and come dress correctly. and Resume's on point, obviously, but he is what his history says he is. No question about it. Obviously, we know he is
1: one heck of a football coach. He started at Bowling Green, was successful at Utah with Alex Smith. Boom, goes to Florida, incredibly successful there national championships. Goes to Ohio State, wins national championships. But you know what's in common in all these spots? He left behind... A lot of controversy. Carnage. Right? You leave Florida with a whole bunch of stuff going on, and before you get out of there before there could be any kind of sanctions. Game over by the Kansas City Chiefs, by the way. That game's over. Kel- Travis, Kelsey, Travis Kelsey falling out. Yeah. Anyway, so he leaves Florida in shambles to get away from recruiting violations. Then at Ohio State, when one of his assistant coaches had some domestic violence incidents, and Urban Meyer not only covered up for him, and then when all the heat started happening, he started having heart problems. Yeah. So he walks away from Ohio State. Then he gets a great job at Fox calling games. And he was actually – I liked him as an analyst because he was good, right? And then it's the time, hey, I need to get back into coaching. I want to coach for Jacksonville Jaguars. Shad Khan takes an opportunity on him. He has a great resume, Florida area. Probably will never buy a drink again in Gainesville. <laughs> and it doesn't work. And here's the thing, Bob. When you treat people like this, forget about college kids, which is wrong. But when you treat grown men like this and their coaching staff, especially because – out here in Seattle, I'll speak for myself, mad love for a lot of the coaches down there, Daryl Bevel, Bevel uh, Brian Schottenheimer, yeah. Sanjay Law. There's a ton of ex seahawk ties there. And I just feel for them because they went from coaching under Pete Carroll, John Schneider, Paul Allen, an amazingly run franchise, top to bottom with structure and everything about it, and then to end up in Jacksonville. And really bad for Bevel because he went to Detroit, then Jacksonville. Mm. But it, I just can't imagine that. These are grown men. Are you kidding me with families and you're just denying stuff
0: and you, everything about Urban Man makes me sick. The what hurts me the most, at least, when I started coaching as a head coach in 2015, every year I take a book from a head coach. I'm like, okay, I'm going to read this book. He's been successful. Let's see what he does. The first one I read was Pete Carroll. Yep, win right? forever, baby. Yogi Roth, big ups, Yogi. He'll write that thing. Then I read Tony Dungy's book. One of Tony Dungy's books. Right. Then my third year, I'm going Urban Meyer, man. He's done a lot. I Read the story, Notre Dame, Bowling Green. He has rules set in place, man. Coaches will not, if coaches are caught doing any type of infidelity, they're, they're gone. If they're caught hmm. drinking, they're gone. If they disrespect players, they are gone. And I'm reading this and I'm building my program every year with these pillars that he speaks about in his book. Then I watch it all go down. In Jacksonville, I'm like, "Well, we we seen it happening before in Jacksonville, but in Jacksonville it was like it was clear. Like this guy, you can't lead young men if you can't lead yourself. You can't no. lead grown men if you can't lead yourself." So that the book that I read, it was like 300 and something pages, it's just all false to me now. And I contributed. I gave this man some of my money, and he straight duped me.
1: Well, and the thing, you mentioned it, it's been at every level since he got there. We, we know what we forgot? He brought in Tim Tebow, who has never played tight end Come in the National now. Football League. And he said, you know what? I want to bring you in and <laughs> play tight end with people who played this game in tight end their entire lives. Okay, so, I mean, the, you're just so tone deaf. It doesn't make sense. A message to the locker room that like we're trying to win when I mean, you bring a guy who's never played that position. And has been out the league. For that long, when you have all these guys grinding and doing everything they can to stay in the league, so you have that. Then a little thing, they get blown out by the Titans, right? Game's over. Coaches walk to the middle field. They shake hands, have respect for you. No, nice. He doesn't even look at Vrabel as he just gives him a quick handshake and walks away. Looks
0: unbelievably. Vrabel was on his coaching staff. That's what I was about to say.
1: I can't. Like you're, you're telling me this man went to war for you, and you can't even, you can't even look him
0: in the eye and shake his hand. I mean, embarrassed. It's just a low, low, man. You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say I probably would have liked Bowling Green, Urban Meyer. Yeah. It's getting started. You're hungry. Mm-hmm. You're grateful for the opportunity. Once you start winning, you go to Utah. You get Alex Smith. You yeah. start winning. You go to to Florida. And that team is full of guys who just were not good guys either. Yeah. <laughs> I mean Tim Tebow's good as it gets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But there's some other stuff going on. So now – you're recruiting guys. I would like to think as a recruiter, like, you you can sense if this is a good kid or not. So, he doesn't have a good judge of character. But he keep he kept getting jobs. So, he's, he's doing something right in these interviews. He's presenting himself the right way. But when it comes down to it, Dan Orlovsky said it the best this morning. I believe it was his first take I was yep. watching. He goes, he's just not a good guy. That's what it comes down to. Might be a good football coach. But... Y- you got to be both. You got to be at least a decent human being right. and a good football coach.
1: It's, yeah, you look at it and it's just, a, I mean, I, I would say I'm surprised, but I'm not because we kind of felt like this was coming this entire time. But, Urban, man, when you got a family and you got kids and you're, you're putting that out there for everybody, it's hard. And here's, here's how you know it's bad. It's not quite getting fired during a day off, Craig, but it was close <laughs> to it because it was at midnight. When you get, I saw a little load on my phone, I go, Dang, it's I'm in bed already. I'm like, wait, it's it's three hours in the East Coast.
0: <laughs> I tried to sneak that in there real quick. Right, let's oh, go ahead and get this out there. Hey, you know, I'm not saying that like you have to be a saint.
1: Of course not.
0: Nobody's a freaking saint, and especially in the NFL, like the culture is uh, is very aggressive at times. Right. You know, I mean, we're lucky out here in Seattle. The culture's a bit different, but uh, there's aggressive. It's machismo. There's some change that's been happening in the NFL just because of the reputation that it's had. And I think Urban Myers, Myers, one of the guys who helped push that culture. You know, Grant, thankfully, he's only been in the league one year. He helped push the negative culture in football in general over the years. And it's coming to light right now. But the thing about him is, he's still getting paid. He's still a rich man. He's still going to live a very good life. And we'll be here talking about him. And this thing will blow over in like what? Six months, eight months.
1: He'll he'll be back at a power five. He'll be back on TV and it'll be like nothing ever happened. He can look remorseful, talk about TV. I had this going on, this going on, my heart, and it'll be fine, and it'll pretend like nothing
0: happened. Yeah, poor Urban Meyer. Negative. Okay, when we return, we'll give you our final thoughts and keys to victory right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live for the very last Thursday of this football season is coming to an end, but it's all good. Thank you guys for hanging in there with us. I know my boys. C.J. Mars and Ross McPherson have been on us all year, on me at least, pointing out all my flaws. But hey, good we, friends keep you humble, though. We need that. We need that exactly. <laughs> I'm
1: happy my wife is listening, you know, hasn't texted me anything. Only nice things, which there we know, go. isn't true, but I'll take it.
0: It's fine. <laughs> we'll take it. All right, so our final thoughts. One I'm going to throw out there that Urban Meyer should not coach an NFL again. That's a final thought. Don't worry. I don't think he'll have another job <laughs> opportunity. Another final thought is I'd love to see Rashad Penny back up his performance, man. Just for him. Not for us. It's going to benefit us, the Seahawks. But for him, for his mental, for his psyche, for his image that he has in the NFL right now, I want to see Rashad Penny go off. And I want to see DK get the better of Jalen Ramsey.
1: Absolutely. I think we talked about it in the post-game show, or at least you guys did, with Rashad, how he's just matured and got to this point. He's had all these injuries, dealt with all this stuff, and he finally, because he was looking at social media, he was looking at Twitter, he was looking at all these people coming after him, and that's a dark place, man. Twitter is a dark, dark place, especially sure when you're not playing well. So I feel for him, and he finally was like, listen, this is not good for me. This is not healthy for me. I mean, the vile things people say to these guys, it's, it's unbelievable. I've seen some of them. So he made a conscious decision, like, I'm not going to look at that nonsense no more. And you come back into this season, he's not paying attention to any of that. He's finally getting back healthy, and then he gets banged up. Then he has that great run against the Cardinals, 18 yards. You thought he going to go to the house. You thought he's going to have a great game. Boom, and oh. it's a hammy again. Then he misses a game. And you're thinking, man, this is it. We've seen the last Rashad Penny, but he comes back against the 49ers, has a great game, not crazy in the stat sheet, but has a nice pickup here, a nice screen pass here, doing a good job. Then last week, goes off. So, Like you mentioned, I want to see him do it again. I know he has more 100-yard games in him. Not necessarily going to happen this week against the Rams, but I just want to see him have success, continue to stay healthy. And guess what? If he balls out the rest of the year, the Seahawks find a crazy way to get to the playoffs, maybe Rashad Penny's back in a Seahawk uniform next year. And that's a crazy statement because no one in Seattle would have thought that leading up to this stretch run here. So I'm I'm happy to see uh, Rashad balling out.
0: Another thing I want to see, I want to see the Seahawks continue to be good on third downs. I think that was huge. There were seven to thirteen against the Texans. Texans aren't weren't a great defense when it comes to third downs, but you took advantage of what they didn't do well. Third down convergence. Also want to see them possess the football. I want to see long sustaining drives. I don't think I think we've seen one or two drives this year over 14 plays. Typically they're scoring on nine to ten play drives or one to two plays with the big play. you got to find a way to mix in the big play drives and the longer drives. No question about it. And when you have
1: long drives, you start winning time of possession. Yep. The Seahawks didn't win time of possession last week, but as long as it's close, that's fine. What you don't want to see is games where, I think it was Washington, where you it was like 41 to 18 or 41 to 19, whatever it was. got to stay on the field. And how do you do that? You stay on it with long possessions on offense. And defensively, the Seahawks have been great. On third downs for the entire season, where they kind of slipped up was Green Bay, Arizona. They allowed 7 of 14, but outside of that, they've done great. 5 of 13 against Washington, 3 of 10 against San Fran, and 3 of 13 against Houston. And then just to piggyback off of that, while playing good defense, in the second half of games, the Seahawks have only allowed 18 points in the last four games in the second half. Mm. So they're playing good football. Back-to-back shutouts the last two weeks in the second half, so... Continue doing that, and the Seahawks are going to have a great shot to beat the Rams.
0: And I I think they have a good chance to to be successful on third downs. The Rams are 23rd in the lead, allowing 43% of their third downs to be converted. The Hawks are number seven in the league, allowing 35. So here's another chance, another week to where the numbers say they should be okay, they should be good to go. Another thing, I don't want Leonard Floyd to ball out again. He had eight sacks against the Hawks last year. Eight and two games. He made his money off the Hawks last year. Leonard Floyd, great ball player. You need to contain that man, and that's easier said than done. You got Aaron Donald, you got Leonard Floyd. These guys are going to get after the quarterback. Um, but I feel like if Leonard Floyd has a big day, it's worse than Aaron Donald have a big day, having a big day because you just automatically assume that's going to happen, right? Right. Leonard Floyd is like hit or miss. Eventually his year is going to be good, but let's not have a career day against the Hawks like he has the last few times they played.
1: Yeah, I just don't, I don't want to see Russ get hit. I don't want to see Russ get hit six, seven times. I don't want to see him get beat up with all his quarterback hits and get sacked four or five times because those are drive killers. Those are when the Seahawks give up a sack or they go second and thirteen, third and eighteen. Bump, you're no, you were an no OC. Those are drive killers. The drive is now over unless barring a miraculous play. So keep Russell upright and that's going to help with the running game and to do all that, bump. You talk about Leonard Floyd and Aaron Donald. You got to run right, Aaron Donald, right. I mean, I feel like he's the type of dude. Yep. You run away from him, you go stuff the outside. He's going to chase it down and make the tackle anyway, right? Yep. You got to
0: run right at him
1: and, and stay committed, and I, I think good things can happen.
0: Another thing that I need to see happen is Matthew Stafford. I need to see him flustered in the backfield. I need to see him look like when he threw five interceptions in three games against three against the Green Bay Packers. Excuse me, one against the Packers, two against San Fran, two against Tennessee. Five interceptions in three games. Why? Because he got pressure on him, and they stayed over the top with these receivers. We know what Cooper Cup's going to do. He's going to get his, but force Matthew Stafford to turn the ball over.
1: Yeah, man, they, don't, they do a great job in protection. They've only, he's only been sacked 20 or 21 times this season. Whitworth's out there at tackle. He's 40 years old. He Do is still doing it. Older than me. At 40 years Come old. Daryl Taylor, you got some young blood in you. Beat the old <laughs> man, the dad with the with the, the beard and everything. You know, I mean, I'm heading in that direction. I got, he's got some time. He's got a, a lead on me, so I'm not throwing <laughs> too much shade at that age group. But for real, though, you just need to get after these guys. Stafford will get the ball out quick, but Daryl Taylor needs to build off that game. Uh, Carlos Dunlap needs, when he's in the football game he needs to get after the quarterback Alton Robinson Puna Ford guys locking up in the middle it needs to be joint effort you need to get Matthew Stafford
0: uncomfortable quarterback hits pressure him and good things will happen and if you win this game that's three games in a row haven't done that all year you've already won back-to-back games it's your first time you win three in a row all right these next two games are set up for you to do what you got to do and then we can then you can get in the lab and run all the numbers when it comes to playoffs (laughs) against the Cardinals and be like, look, this is what needs to happen, and we can sit around like we got brackets in March Madness and just watch people knock each other out Mm -hmm. and see who does what. But it starts with this game. You are in L.A. You're in L.A. You're on the road, Hollywood. Hopefully, I hope all the guys on the Rams roster who has COVID, I hope it's not serious. I hope you are healthy. You bounce back. But I hope you don't play. Because I wouldn't (laughs) mind the Hawks getting a break this weekend.
1: Yeah, hopefully they're all asymptomatic and they are back and better than ever. (laughs) But what I want is, yeah, listen, it is what it is, man. I want the Seahawks to win this football game. They need to. It would be great to end the year. Because here's the thing. Since Pete Carroll has been here, they don't play meaningless games in Seattle. Ever. They don't. That's not the standard here. That's not the standard they set. They
0: never do it. and I don't want it to start now. Huge, huge game on Sunday. Sounds like a movie. You know, sleepless in Seattle, meaningless games in Seattle. Let's <laughs> let's not make please. Let's not make that movie. Let's not make it. Another thing I want to see is Russell Wilson continue just to be efficient, man. And I and I want to see him be vocal again. Like I, I feel like I yeah. haven't seen him, except for that one time what San it was Fran. San Fran. Where he was Rally vocal the on the sideline. Yep. Like, Russ, get back to doing what you do, man. Who knows what's going on in this man's life? He's battled injury. He lost a very close friend. Um, he had he's had a slump. He's played horribly. He's played good. There's a lot of stuff going on with Russ, but I think he's moving in the right direction. Just keep that energy up. I have all the faith in the world.
1: Last week was the eight-week mark with that finger injury, and that's when we knew, boom, who's back. Russell Wilson is back. Number three is back to what we've been seeing from him. So I have all the faith in the world that he's going to take this team to new heights, and I said it earlier, to the playoffs. and We're going to play this all over the pre- and post-game show <laughs> when I'm correct. If I'm not correct, our
0: season will be over, and you will not hear from me till 2022. We will not hear it. All right, man, that's it. Last show of the year, man. NASA, thanks for joining us, man. I want to give special thanks to Gabe Jackson and John Clayton for joining the show. Our board operator, Matt Nelson, and our executive producer slash co-host today, NASA Choby. The Seahawks pregame show is live this Sunday starting at 10 a.m., We want to thank everyone who listened this season as tonight is our final show. Until next time, I'm Michael Bumpus. Talk to you guys on Sunday.